All right, so uh, Morgan, Fatima, and Caitlin, it's great to have you all here and have a chance to uh, talk about the this essay by Hortense Spillers, uh, Mama's Baby, Papa's Maybe, American Grammar Book, one of the most influential uh, in terms of citations. I know we've talked about this in class, or I went on about this in class. I think it's one of the most cited articles in African-American critical theory, but is in many ways... Um, I think under theorized uh, because it is such a dense and theoretical text. Um, we unpacked a bit in class. There's always much more to to unpack. But I want to start. I'll you know in a moment we'll ask you all what you thought about it. But I wanted to start just with a an account of like why I picked the class, like why I, or picked the essay for this class, and why why I think it's important is it's been deeply influential. I think it's uh, a really um, you know, well-written and significant essay, but um, where it fits in the class is getting to this theme that we've talked about in our own way, uh, but getting into it in, in real direct depth, which is how do we think theoretically? How do we talk in, in conceptual language about things that don't have a name, right? Um, I, you know, you, you all probably get tired of hearing it, but I always say this when people complain that certain forms of critical theory are so inaccessible or so difficult to read. And I always want to emphasize that, that a lot of times that's because they're trying in an essay or in a book to talk about something that we haven't talked about before, that that's the real radical innovations of certain forms of critical theory. And I think Spillers is doing that around the question of race and gender at their intersection. And so to talk about this category, black woman, is to undo the category, right? That is to undo or decouple the category uh, from a generalized conception of blackness, but also a general generalized conception of woman or womanhood. And in doing so, right, it allows spillers to generate new language around ungendering uh, for talking about you know, this social category, black woman. But also I think it, it and so I think it does real uh, important conceptual work, critical theory work, challenges our comfort with language like black and woman and the way we combine those things as if it was like a formula, right? Where you could combine two things and get the outcome you expect. Um, I think she wants us to, to understand why that doesn't produce often what we do expect, right, around black and around woman, right? That, that what those categories mean don't necessarily produce the outcome when combined. Um, but it also does political work. And I think for uh, important reasons, she f focuses so much of the first half on the Moynihan Report, which was an account of what uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who, as I said in class, I think it always bears saying, was a social liberal and in his own way in terms of, of the institutional politics of the United States, a real progressive thinker. He was concerned about black poverty and its reproduction across time. And so he produces the Moynihan Report, or it's called the Moynihan Report, that pathologizes the black family. And what you know comes out of that is the imperative in the report for black families to be like what the the social imaginary understands to be the white family, right? With a certain form of patriarchy, a certain form of masculinity, and a certain form of femininity. So gender becomes this really fixed category 
um, as an ideal, right, to which families strive. And part of it is is the the politics of like blaming black people for suffering under an, in an anti-black world, which is you know its own kind of crazy. Um, but it also what it does, I think, and, and what causes Spillers to revisit it and, and generate a theory out of it is that it does presuppose the translatability of black woman with white woman, or just black with white and woman with woman, and how these combinations are thought to be in a kind of neutral space of family and humanity and so forth. And so the political import of rethinking these categories, I think, is really intense and serious. It opens up new forms of sociality, new forms of, of imagining relations uh, across families, inside families what families even are and for that reason i think it's politically really significant but it also for me shows how critical theory accesses some of the real depths of uh of our of our the structure of our social world that often i think we can easily say where well, our social world is different than the theoretical world and i think she's showing like this is how when you think critically at a theoretical level about key terms, you end up generating a completely different vision of a everyday social and political world. And I like the way it bridges that. It, it's difficult because it names something we don't have a name for, but it's also concrete in its abstraction, if that makes sense. And, um, you know, I find it really challenging that way. And, and in some ways, it could have been written yesterday, even though it's quite old at this point as an essay. But I'm curious, that's, that's my you know, five-minute preamble. I always think it's, I'm going to talk for two minutes. I talk for five. <laughs> but what stuck out for you all, or even just in, in my preliminary thing? You know, I don't know if we want to start maybe with you, Morgan. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'll say that this isn't my first kind of exposure to this piece. Um, when I was an undergrad, I read this in a socio sociology class. And... It's interesting kind of coming at it from a more theoretical perspective, especially given that this whole piece is really just about trying to name things that are historically really difficult to name and define. And it's interesting because that's really difficult in a sociological setting. Um, and just personally, one of my own frustrations in doing a lot of sociology classes in undergrad was that I always felt like it was so data-driven that there could... I found it very difficult to have conversation because everything that had to be talked about had to have data points behind it. Um, so reading it in this context was really interesting. Um, especially given, I guess, the structure of the course and the syllabus that we have, it speaks in conversation in a really interesting way with the rest of the course. It was really enjoyable to revisit it. Um, and yeah, I was thinking a lot about how this piece sits within like a literary criticism context. So that was really interesting. And I'm just really looking forward to what everyone has to say about it. <laughs> mm, I guess I'll jump in. Well, this piece obviously very difficult. The prose is immaculate. <laughs> but um, I think what struck me at first was um, the first paragraph with the 
the names, the peaches, brown sugar, sapphire, earth mother, and so on and so forth. And I am thinking about um, the Moniham report and how like it has like how, how it's stuck within even within the black community when we talk about the nuclear family when we talk about like oh like people are fatherless and like how black women are filled with are like marked with the shame without even like doing anything shameful yet so i was really thinking about the what she says nominative properties and the properties of naming this naming and like obviously like what's in the name etc and i'm just really interested in um how she how the misnaming is not only linguistic but ideological as well because again like spills is a literary scholar she's looking at this through the language so i didn't even think about how the money hammer for a lot of its weight is in the language itself yeah. and um and i'm just really interested in how she uh, how she constructs um that it's not only about the misnaming but the ability to name um and that's part and that's part of the and how like language is out of reach for black women so i, I so i'm really excited to get into that <laughs> like with like how that's a structure of the misnaming that language is literally out of reach right that we don't even get to name so yeah mm -hmm. and just to add to that um one of my takeaways from class was how the report pathologized matriarch yeah and in doing so Dr. Jabinski mentioned it undercut the, its own argument yeah. and mm. it actually brought up like matriarch is a thing now because yeah. of um I can't say this person's name I'm just gonna say the M report because I'll be like stuttering <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah the M report um but so I was so thinking about matriarch and how it's seen as a pathology but mm. it's a way of like bringing a name to something that is not normal now some of my thinking is influenced by sylvia winter because i'm reading her yeah <laughs> this week and i'm yeah. just like so mm -hmm. it's not normal in this white world but it's it's normal in maybe in like a black context yeah um because of the historical and the one thing that i kept thinking about like even when you say this it's still running through my notes and everything i'm like i wonder if the family court law is based off of like the, the M report mm. and how like this notion of like oh the children are fatherless yeah. but our laws literally built around this are they're built around segregating you know black fathers from the families hence you have the matriarch mm. um and then I'm also thinking about how you know, we did, we did speak about how Spillers like leaves this open-ended for like future generations, artists, scholars to kind of flip this on its head and see, well, okay, so this is a new language. What are we going to do with it? It's considered shameful in one context. But now I'm looking at art, black women's art. Like if we look at Faith Ringgold, if we look at like there's a South African artist called Moholi, they take like matriarchy and they don't make it shameful. Mm -hmm. um, they like they stand in it which is very beautiful um and it's like using it's like they're using art and using it in different languages and um, forms but it's like you see it and you recognize it mm. um it's like giving art form to spiller's words i think that's what i'm trying to say yeah <laughs> yeah no. no i totally agree with like the because 
like obviously there's two different grammar books the two different american grammar books and like that's why i like to say like black media is very matriarchal and that that's also like the matriarchs carry the culture and so on and so forth so i'm really thinking about like again how she's how she translates like the linguistic to the i guess uh ideological because again what are those stereotypes doing like what is how is like the mammy like how, how is that working against like this this type of black woman or like so i'm really i'm, I'm really interested in how she's able to like actually communicate that so yeah and speaking of the mammy there's there are artworks um i think betsy star has one but it's um aunt jemima mm. but she's wearing like a superwoman um outfit mm. and mm. it's like it's kind of like that so it's just interesting to see how artists are picking up Spiller's words and putting like a, a visual to it. Um, it's it's just really, um, yeah, it's, it's just fascinating to see how things kind of like, from the language or from what she's trying to name, yeah. things like stem from, to come about. Yeah, and you even said like Sylvia Winter, like thinking about like the human when she gets into, well, I guess we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know, about, but I'm, yeah, I'm trying like, to like yeah, thinking about, thinking about how like all this this language reduces like reduces us from being like like a human like the wholeness of a human, and I'm thinking a lot about like like the flesh and the body how you can be you can have your body but captive. So like thinking about how she's like also like kind of I guess like I would say that I would put them in conversation with each other thinking about like even though she said like we uh, black women are reduced to like flesh. Um, even though but if you did have a body it wouldn't make it wouldn't be any better so like i i really like that that like in conversation yeah, I mean, with winter that, that would be and then with winter it's like the the rational versus the irrational yeah. being mm -hmm. and if you're irrational like the, then you're like non-being yeah and that so that non-being would be like equivalent to like what the body or the flesh but you're right exactly <laughs> right literally yeah so you can be have the flesh and still be free so i'm like i'm really ah so much but yeah <laughs> Yeah, I th I'm always interested then also like the way we can detect the sort of Moynihan report and the pathologization yeah. of, of, of uh, if we want to call it matriarchy. I mean, that's the thing. It's like mm -hmm. the words that we have for it are yeah. already so loaded, but even just seeing them being loaded. But if you talk about, you know, I, I think that if we were to have a public conversation about... Um, single mothers in in the u.s and race right mm -hmm. african-american single mothers or fatherless families or however one wants to put it people would very quickly go back to say i mean these are people you know advocating for you know for black flourishing say mm -hmm. well this is a continuation of you know separation of families at the auction block under slavery uh and the you know since jim crow the the racialized mass incarceration that's focused so much on black men that's sort of taken so many, not sort of that has taken so many you know millions of men out of black neighborhoods and that can all be true i mean that's not can be that is all true but it is interesting how i think somebody like spillers is trying to draw our attention to when we make that turn in argumentation we are actually arguing on the condition of the Moynihan report no. that we're saying like the no. ideal of the, the the patriarchal home or the two-parent nuclear family this sort of thing once we uh, once we 
anytime we are working with that as our organizing logic, right, we have to ask ourselves the question that Spillers is asking, like, are we actually reifying and reproducing the very thing that is causing the harm? And that for me is always the difficult part of this essay, the way it makes me think about our, about our, my own habits of discourse. You know, and I teach a class on, on race and mass incarceration, and we talk about this theme, and I always have in the back of my head, like, ah, like spillers might be like haunting me a little bit in this yeah, moment. Like, oh yeah. like, wait a minute, why aren't we rethinking what, what black and woman means, right? Why are black women being made into a, sort of abject iteration of white woman. Mm. And even white woman is, of course, already this idealized form of, of the domestic. Um, and I'll also put this out here, uh, not to over-talk, but, you know, uh, when you mentioned this, is, you know, this, this artwork that sort of reimagines Aunt Jemima, mm. um, it makes me think of, you know, this is a long, long time ago, one of James Baldwin's first essays, Everybody's Protest Novel. Mm. And one of the things he talks about in there and evokes in there, as well as some other essays, it's a really provocative thing. He's like, we all know the stereo racist stereotype of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Tom. But did we ever ask about the conversations they had in the kitchen when no white people were around? Yeah. Did we ever think about their inner desires and their pleasures and their life and their sadness and their happiness? Like we never imagined them having an inner life. And it's that moment where Bald, he's as typical with Baldwin, he's just suggestive and sort of get inside it. But he's like, let's not catch our, let's, let's catch ourselves playing into these stereotypes and reducing like the depth and complexity of black life to what white life, or what the white gaze has made of that black life, mm. right? And sometimes I think we have a version of that when we talk about the, you know, mass incarceration and its effect on the black family, and we, we link it back to slavery and the auction block, all of which can absolutely be true, but I think Spiller's challenge is always like, why are we slipping into this normative language that actually has underpinned one of the most violent aggressions against black people, the Moynihan Report? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I really love how she uh, translates that to like uh, black children, how like the father, or like patriarchy to like children in general, like the father owns a child and therefore the father um, determines the identity of the child and also then, then to his, uh, his wife, his spouse. Um, so I'm thinking about how it's internalized within the black community and the put against like black children, like meaning that children like don't have any agency, uh, like and also the age designations that also come to play, like oh this like black girls being called black women, all that stuff, like mm -hmm. like in how it's says like like children are basically property. So I'm really interested when I and then when I think about oh children don't know anything or whatever, is that also like like. Like, that's where I normally have to check myself, cause especially when I was wa wa uh, when I took a Spike Lee class last last year, um, we were watching like Crooklyn, mm -hmm. like oh like she's an adult now, and I'm like, but do these age designations work on black children now because she's taking more responsibility? Like this, and the infantilization of black children and like the innocence is also like part of the violent project of um, like white supremacy. So like that's that's so that's where I really like that she tied in like children into this. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Morgan, I'm going to put you, since you're the one online, it's always harder to gesture, so. <laughs> sure. Um, so one thing that I've been thinking about through this conversation, and we've been talking about how the kind of binary of white woman and black womanhood comes up within this piece, 
I've been thinking a lot about one critical piece that I've kind of hailed back to throughout my own writing, and that's definitely um, White by Richard Dyer, if anyone's familiar. But he kind of covers the really newfangled relationship that white women have within heteropatriarchy in that they are tasks with bringing forth whiteness through reproduction, but they're also simultaneously tasked with always being inferior to white men. Um, And in terms of that, what I've been thinking a lot about is there was another piece that came out more recently called um, The Trouble with White Women by Kyla Schuller. Um, And tying this into the Spillers piece, um, she talks pretty extensively about um, incidents in the life of a slave girl and Uncle Tom's Cabin, because it seems that based on the records that she went through, and I believe that the person who wrote it is a historian, um, there was um, some correspondence that went back and forth um, between uh, Harriet Jacobs and between um, Harriet Beecher Stowe. Um, And there are some scholars who seem to disagree with this, but um, it, it... seems as though that Stowe kind of reached out to Harriet Jacobs through a friend and asked to tell her story in Uncle Tom's cabin. Um, And once Jacobs kind of heard how that was going to be filtered through, um, you know, Stowe and her narrative, she didn't want her story to be told. And yet the character uh, Cassie in Uncle Tom's cabin kind of mirrors her story. Um, And so it's interesting tying that into the spillers that this one piece of literature that's constantly called back to in, you know, pretty much any 19th century course, but, you know, um, high school courses even has this one bastardization of this black woman's story that has been like taken from her in a, in a way and been appropriated in a really kind of upsetting way. <laughs> And that mirroring of stories, I find that really interesting. I mean, I think that that breaking that sense of mirror is so important, right? Because it it, it decenters a, a narrative that has race and gender privilege to it. I mean, just to put it like in really bland terms. And like just to, you know, point, you know, to another, you know, just last week's uh, class conversation about Glissant. I think a lot of way in a lot of ways, um, I see parallels between what Spillers is doing and what Glissant was doing. Mm, we think yeah. about like an American grammar book, right? What is an American grammar book? Well, grammar is about the fixed structure of a language, right? The fixed structure of a language that we're going to use to talk about family and womanhood. Um, and that, you know, what Glissant's, you know, turn to images like rhizome and creolization, right? These figures or images or practices even are really about like breaking down the idea of a grammar book. Mm. So now we're talking about multiple books Mm. or just even the insufficiency of any book or the complete relativity of a book, right? Mm. That you want to talk about this particular patriarchal structure of families that has like race, gender, class, nation, heritage, that's so many layers in it 
that it isn't really an American grammar book. It's a grammar book of very specific people. But once we get rid of a grammar book, I mean, if you think even just about language, if you got rid of the idea of grammar, I mean, it's a free-for-all with language. It's like, but a free-for-all in the best sense of now we have to invent our own kind of relationships to this, you know, and, and seeing Spillers write this about family structures or about kinship structures, however we want to frame it. Um, and I think the fact that it's hard to frame, right, <laughs> family, yeah. kinship, whatever, is part of what the, the essay is about. But that she wrote this before really the mainstreaming of at least the phrase chosen family is really interesting to me because mm-hmm. chosen family is one of these phrases that comes out of like the abolition of the grammar book of relations and living without that grammar book. I was just thinking that um, how the grammar was set to discipline um and make sure that it's like a disciplinary structure. Absolutely. But what would it be? This would be so amazing to like, because it's hard to have this conversation without thinking about Fanon. So if you put him, Winter, Glissa, and Spillers all mm-hmm. together in one room, I mean, that's like, they would come up with some sort of open system, <laughs> you know, of like how to go about black life, which would be so unstructured, discombobulated, no formula and I think that's like it's like putting all their scholarships together would just be um but I'm connecting this to and because I had it in my notes of algorithmic justice and how there's this talk of like algorithm is like this formula and if we're thinking about how the internet is and the algorithm behind the internet it's structured by coders who don't mean to be racist but essentially they're putting their algorithm based off of their um just based off of their existence and their experience and what they know and what they don't know so essentially their biases go into this algorithm and then i started thinking about uh, spillers and i was like what would spillers look like in the context of like algorithmic justice Mm -hmm. because the current algorithm just doesn't account for black people it doesn't account for any sort of black life. It just really marginalizes it or uses it in a context of making it like dependency where there's another term I learned about like data colonialism. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just it, it accounts for the algorithm accounts and caters to white people more than it does to black people. And if it does account for black people, it's in harmful ways, such as the police department. Mm-hmm. and how they use um, like the data. But if we think about Spillers, it's like Spillers is asking us, well, how about we create a new algorithm um, that accounts for, for black people and black life, which is what I think digital humanities kind of does mm-hmm. in the sense of like um, just black and brown scholars who are coming from different fields, like mm-hmm. combining like history and, and, digi- di- and the digital or literature in the digital, linguistic in the digital, to like rectify um, from the beginning mm-hmm. the things that have been missing from in the foundation of some of these structures. And I'm interested in like what you would think about um, about like when Spillers talks about like. Uh, uh, well, she used African females. Well, I'm not, I'm use African black and, and, and like the African females and the and the African male and how um, 
there's no symbolic integrity like there's no difference in terms well for black flesh quote unquote so i was wondering if do you think that when i guess when do you what do you think about that and to like do you think i think she does also say like that um that through like the subjecthood of black people that we're able to understand each other um at least put, 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 have a positionality where we can like uh understand each other and that's where the of the ungendering comes in in addition to like when you think about like the western biology it doesn't make sense when you fight to black people etc etc in the novel sorry i think i kind of deterred but i'm like everything <laughs> what you said like made, made me think about that i don't know why yeah i don't know so okay so it's like how how black people would relate to one another yeah i guess like because i'm thinking about like like she says like black women are marked so i'm interested in like when you think about i guess when you was talking about the al algorithms how like we're like we're invisible in there i'm like and how we kind of occupy the space of like hyper visibility but also like mm -hmm. invisibility at the same time obviously Ralph Ellison and so yeah, yeah so yeah but i guess i don't black people in general but i'm also thinking about like how um we are marked, but um, then in the same way, are able to how that I guess I'm guessing thinking about how that mark can be undone through like ungendering, mm -hmm. uh, as you as you cleanse it uh, through ungendering, but and also if it if you think it's like true, I guess now because then this has been a long time ago. If it's true that like you think that black men are able to uh, ha be in a position where they can access more or like be more like not be more like black women but like within our positionality can understand that and occupy not occupy as bad as these are bad trying okay. to be careful about language I, but yeah, yeah this is because it's like i feel what you're saying but yeah. i don't know how to name it yeah that's it it's like i can how can black men tap into like say yes how can they say yes how, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, tap, like i don't want to say feminization yeah it's not that yeah, yeah that's yeah, not that's like, exactly like, what like no yeah that's like, not the word ungendering yeah ungendering the word is like right in front we're just yeah. like it's not the word but like yeah the ungendering of like male and female um black like black men and black mm -hmm. women um ungendering so that they can i guess the common thing would be blackness and blackness yeah. is like unlimited it's not it's not encapsulated by identity it's not encapsulated by gender it's not encapsulated by hair mm -hmm. um and just thinking about how, it's just i don't want to say i don't know now i'm thinking about the caribbean i'm like with creole like a creolization because i'm thinking like the caribbean how that's like a good mixture of like things happening all together at the same time mm. um every time you think it's done it's really not it's just it just keeps moving um and keep it keeps changing and maybe like the caribbean is a glimpse maybe that's what glisa means when he said that what's happening in the caribbean is a glimpse of what's happening everywhere else yeah. in the world yeah. that it's just it's happening all together it's happening all at the same time and black people are just constantly on the move mm. like every time you think it's done here it's really not like you put it in writing but then it's changed by the time like the ink has dried so yeah i mean one of the things it you know if this i don't know if it helps but if it if it, if it fits with this 
and, and I think this is something that's unresolved in Spiller's essay, which is not a criticism. I actually think mm-hmm. like every good essay gives us something to think about, right? Not just resolves problems for us. And I think one of the things I take away as something to think about is around, I know this is kind of my obsession around this notion of a grammar book. And it's like, is she, you know, is, is, is her essay, not her, is her essay leading us to alternative grammar books mm-hmm. or towards the abolition of a grammar book? Right, because I think this is what's radical about Glissant is it is um, this is how his career differs sort of early to later, but it really is about an abolition of grammar books, mm-hmm. right? And in that way, it's less about say you know what you were saying, Fatima, about algorithm and race is less about like modifying the algor- an algorithm in order to to include black people, right? Yeah. Rather than exclude or to to you know, modify the normative function of black people rather than, like, you know, objects of the police gaze mm-hmm. instead as characters and play and, mm-hmm. and creativity. So in some way, you know, it, that expansion of an algorithm is like an expansion of a grammar mm-hmm. book, right? To, to put multiple grammars inside mm-hmm. one book. Yeah. Another is the abolition of the book itself, mm-hmm. which is to say this is about pure multiplicity. You know, it is about you know, when you were saying, like, get, you know, Winter, Glissant, Spillers, and... Fanon. Fanon, mm-hmm. in, the, in the same room. Because you need a psychoanalyst. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a fantastic vision of a conversation. Um, uh, you know, that, you know, those are also such different thinkers, mm-hmm. but also revolving around mm-hmm. this, what I would just call sort of a baseline abolitionist mindset about the world as we know it is so fucked up. <laughs> like, we can't just expand the book that organizes our world. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things I think Spillers is attentive to is the way grammar books do structure our lives. Yeah. Right? The way she starts off with all those words, you know, Auntie Jezebel, Brown Sugar, etc. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a whole grammar for us, and it's like, is it we shouldn't have a grammar, we shouldn't have this vocabulary? Right? Or is it like we need to modify this book so that it has more play in it, that it has more slack in it? Mm-hmm. You know, the way, you know, like an algorithm can be soft or hard, right? The hard algorithm is you can't move outside it. The soft is that it learns and adapts and expands. And so for me, I mean, this is like some meta-theoretical thing, but it's like, <laughs> is it about, you know, is justice, give a big word, is justice really about the proliferation of as much multiplicity as possible? Right outside of a grammar book, or is it about a grammar book that helps us stay organized at some normative level, but with such multiplicity mm. that there aren't these really harmful mm. hegemonies and vocabularies about patriarchy, matriarchy, you know, the fact that matriarchy is a negative, right? Mm. Um, and the Aunt Jemima is, or Uncle Tom is this insult rather than like an erotic character or a, a creative character or a warrior. Right. I think Renee Cox has this photograph of, of herself as, uh, or it's a photograph of somebody else as Uncle Tom, but he has like a machete and he's in a forest. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so it's like this inner life, you know, the rage of, and compulsion for justice of Uncle Tom. Is that about like expanding the grammar book or like mm-hmm. taking that machete to it? There's also another image of Aunt Jemima, and she's super sexy, super lean, like, just in, like, the superwoman outfit, Mm. and she just looks really great. Well, I guess it's like, it's like, I don't know, it was like 
from like almost like a Playboy magazine. Yeah. It was like, oh wow. <laughs> and then um, I was like, oh, I think those were the visual images of like expanding, um, expanding the grammar book of like how we see um, these images instead of like seeing them in one way. And I also put all those people together because I feel like they would correct one another. Like as soon yeah. as somebody would say something, mm. like someone else would come in and be like, "No, no, that's not how you should think about it." <laughs> um, but that was just one of the perfect. So, oh my god, I would love to see that image of the Aunt Jemima. But I'm also thinking about if it's sexualized. I guess like, like she has. Let me let me correct myself. Was, <laughs> so the image, um, and I have to send it to you. But the way that they would analyze the image was, we always think about Aunt Jemima like taking care and nurturing others. Mm or she's being raped by the master. Mm. But there was never an instance where it's like, she too wants to feel sex for pleasure oh. for herself. Like she too, it's not just like caring for others in the, in like in this term, white child or the white master. Mm -hmm. But like, what about her? Like what's her sexual intimacy in her mm -hmm. life like? And I, I was like, I never thought about, I never, I never went that way. Mm. Um, and it's funny because when I teach that, teach Baldwin talking about Aunt Jemima and Uncle Tom and I just say like we ever think about like what their actual thoughts were or do we just mm. think about them in terms of how white people seem and the class goes silent mm. I don't know if you remember that Caitlin yeah. in our class but everybody's like oh shit <laughs> like <laughs> if we think of them as actual historical figures right even just figures for historical experiences no one ever stops to say like what did they do behind closed doors what did they talk about what were their pleasures? What were their anxieties? You know, and um, yeah, and that sense of like, is this expanding the book, or you know, the way you stopped yourself is like about sexy and you stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Like, but that's I think that's the thing about this term ungendering mm -hmm. is she does Spillers does just say ungendering. She does not say expanding our notion of gender. Mm. And what to do with that word ungendering? That's just a, um, it's not a negation, so it's mm -hmm. not saying, you're bad, I'm giving something good, mm -hmm. right? It's not, um, doesn't indicate a, a, a third position, right, of this is the way gender is, there's ungendering, and then we get to here with this sort of spectrum of gender. She doesn't say, she just says ungendering. And the way that sort of leaves like this, like ellipsis, right, it's like mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so what's next, right? Where do we go with that? Like what, and that for me is like where she leaves us so much to think about because it's she's not going to tell us what the what the new grammar book is or if we're abolishing the grammar book itself. Mm. I think it's interesting because I think Spillis is really trying to get us to think about gen gender having meaning beyond violence and like how when we think of well now we think about like. Uh, the mammy and uncle tom's like has his second life as a slur as an insult mm -hmm. um like how like think about like if there's is there a second grammar book if this is like the lay of the land and like i think i think i think like i guess my my interpretation my reading of it is that like first you got to get to like how like these names are like these this is violence like the way you become black is violence mm -hmm. and and how i guess like starts from obviously the the child slavery how the slave is always coupled to their master regardless of gender sexuality and gender violence like that's the condition of a slave so i understand like how 
when she talks about how black men and black uh, how like gender doesn't there's no symbolic difference because you know as like you're always coupled to the master doesn't matter and i'm thinking about um i was gonna say something else but um yeah does gender having meaning beyond violence these things these names and i guess black people have been like meaning beyond violence or like this language having meaning beyond violence and i'm thinking about um like the undone like the un because it's not like opposite like it's yeah. like unloading like and being emptied right um so i'm i I, I'm, I like that like that's the process when she's thinking about stuff like again like reason is like like think about who said that like i think it was winter like, like how reason is rooted into people's bodies like the irrational is like rooted into black bodies and like what and like and all these other things obviously like it within our subjecthood and how like we can unload that and become emptied and then, then that's when we have the space to like actually start naming. Yeah. So yeah. So I like mm -hmm. the undone. Something about the undone. There's something. And yeah. Even, even with Winter, there was something about she was like, well, if you think outside of your cultural yeah. like, thought, like your his cultural thought of how you, I don't want to say preferences, but she had specific terminology, so I don't want to mess that up. But thinking outside of that and like undoing your beliefs. Mm. Um, and not tying your identity to that, then what becomes of you? And what, like, I guess it's like, what, how can you expand further if you undo what you've tied yourself to believe? Kind of like the same thing with, like, with white people. If they <laughs> undo and untie these negative stereotypes, um, then they would, like, but it's hard because they've attached their identity to that for so long. Um, and I, ju I also kept thinking about like the um, the Sarah Sarah Bartman yeah. and how when she was like a spectacle and she was a spectacle because French women could like be like well that's black women and this is us we're lean and they're like that's them like we're mm -hmm. very different and French women taught like they created their identity um in opposition to women like sarah bartman mm. and imagine so what would what would it mean to like undo that yeah. and i think we're scared like mm. we're scared to because we're like well we don't know like lisa said we'd be lost you know mm. um if you if you're not tied to a language you're yeah. considered lost if mm -hmm. you're not tied to like your cultural uh beliefs you're considered lost if you're not tied so you're pretty much considered like the savage and you're back to basic one, which, which winter is like, yeah, that was created in opposition to the man yeah. of what Europeans were like. This is it. Like man is being and man is human. Mm -hmm. Anything else is other and it's savage. And so it's really like a topsy turvy world. Where <laughs> that actually makes so much sense with the wander. Like you have no place. Like I understand like the un the empty the nomadic thing. Yeah, like the nomadic. Yeah, the nomadic is like yeah. the empty. Like something in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, just to keep bringing in thinkers who aren't spillers, but, I, I mean, they cluster around. I mean, because mm -hmm. this question of ungendering is, is I mean, she's talking about it in the, in the U.S. context, which is yeah. not, properly speaking, a colonial context, but she may as well be talking about colonialism. Mm -hmm. Because, and the thing that I do come back to is what Fanon says at the very end of Black Skin, White Masks, where he's, he says, make me a man who questions. Mm -hmm. And that's always, not always, but it's often, I think, quoted from Fanon as like this sort of ecstasy of like, I'm liberated, I'm asking questions, and I'm inquiring. 
But I also think it has some terror to it because it's like, well, wait a minute. Even if this is a structure that has like fucked us over for centuries and is evil, here we are, like you know, without content. Right? We are ungendered. We are unraced. We are unnationed. We are unlanguaged. And what comes next is just a question. And to live in the interrogative is really anxiety producing i mean it's um you know i mean that's uh you know not knowing what's next not knowing who and what you are is even if it's even if what you are and what you have been is this abject category of like of like anti-black racism it's still uh an anchor right mm-hmm. and that 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 ungendering right even if like this question of like black matriarchy has been like the source of so much violence it's like what it means to ungender black men and women in this call in the essay it is i i do think she brings us not to the zone of non-being but to the like this horizon of absolute openness yeah. which is liberating mm-hmm. but Wow. It's also scare the shit out of you. <laughs> it's also like I, I, I've said in so many of my classes when I talk about uh, about language and writing, I'm like, go ahead and write a, an essay in your vernacular language, and no one ever wants to do it because it's like the idea of not writing in something standard, not writing out of the American grammar book, is like really terrifying. And I do it not as a prank, but as a moment of illumination. Well, I think it's interesting. I think, well, to your question about, like, I think there are multiple grammar books. Um, I don't know if that's like, oh, we're here now, so why don't we embrace, like, well, in this this text, like, the matriarchy that is, like, the black family structure, whatever it is, and... I'm also thinking about, like, I guess I'm still kind of confused about the part where she talks about the spatial-temporal configuration, like, the how the American grammar book, uh, is that? I don't know if I'm, is that, is that, it's like, I guess a part of that, the spatial-temporal configuration, maybe this is more of, like, a definition question than anything. I guess, like, belonging to space and place, I think, I don't know, like. Yeah, so you inherit meaning from time. Mm. history cultural history political history and the spatial it organizes like our place in the world Mm. along questions of not just race and gender but the combination of them around questions of family Ah. family structure and what that says about sort of collective character and collective belonging and non-belonging the unassimilated aspects of black life these kinds of like that's a spatial configuration like like literally the geography of cities right uh, and states but it's also temporal because it comes from from history it comes from time uh, okay but yeah i think there can be more than one grammar book and i think i think there are more than there are multiple grammar yeah, books mul- for sure we should we get rid it's, of them it's, it's we just, are they upload them <laughs> <laughs> Rip them to pieces yeah. and like just glue them together. Upload them. I like that. Upload the grammar book Upload. to. Uh, Someone's gonna be like, "There's a to our collective cloud, to our <laughs> yeah. collective political." But cloud. Also, is but I feel like is I feel like maybe Spiller's is she is because hmm. I guess I don't really think about like I don't know why this this essay really makes you think about like what am I actually saying like again what's again what's packed in a word but um I'm really thinking about like. 
I don't I I think because we're at the point where we are unable to name in that because of the condition of being reduced to flesh that we sometimes what did she say that where it's like we kind of don't know what's happening to us or like have the language again we don't we our language is out of reach so I don't know maybe maybe that's why I, I think my interpretation of this she's arguing for us to start our own I don't I don't know if she's saying that we already have one because I would say we already do mm -hmm. but I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm misinterpret maybe but that's I, an incorrect read so while I'm hearing you speak I'm also thinking but also is she asking us do we have to have a language for things can things just be things without us naming them Mm. Like, can they exist without a name? Because once we put a name, like, I feel like we've kind of like set a, a like a closed barrier. Like, this can this can only exist in this form, but we know that's not the case. I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm just like, well, do we have to like name things, or do we have to constantly like can a thing just be a thing without us naming it? Because mm. the problem with naming is it becomes a normative structure, right? That's the grammar. Mm. That's the grammar. Never become, it becomes a grammar book. And I would, you know, when you said, you know, there already is this alternative grammar book. I think it's interesting to think about, and this is, gets into like anecdotes and, yeah. you know, personal stories, media narratives, popular culture, you know, literature, all that. But on the one hand, you know, there is an alternative grammar book in terms of structures of families. But at the same time, the complaints about, you know, absent black men or irresponsible deadbeat, you know, you know, you know whether it's, you know, TikTok trends or <laughs> essays or novels or sitcoms and dramas or just everyday conversations, it's like those are in conflict because you may mm. say well this is an alternative sort of family structure right and, and it's as legitimate as any but then at the same time i think you would hear in those same spaces like why aren't men quote stepping up why aren't they doing this why aren't they doing that oh, which may be okay. questions of normativity within a, an alternative grammar mm -hmm. book but is also probably the presence of the american grammar yeah. book the presence of the moynihan report in our own imaginations of of harm because those imaginations of harm aren't just imaginations. Yeah. They're also like real harm around mm -hmm. like, you know, the Moynihan report had a, such a deep impact on the welfare policy yeah. around if the man lives at home, then you get less money because he's supposed to be providing yeah. income. You know, so it's like the institutional violence that comes mm -hmm. from that is real, but also the way it infiltrates um, everyday speech, not just because we're sort of influenced by that or something, you know, that the grammar book just is, is part of our lives, but also the way that grammar book is enforced on a day-to-day -day basis mm. by institutional structures. And it's like you're saying the everyday speech of like, if a black woman is just, I don't know, if she doesn't want to have kids, it's just like, well, why? Like, what's wrong? And it's, and it's I don't know, yeah. it all stems for, from like from the M report <laughs> and so I feel like Spillers is like can we just say that this black woman doesn't want to have kids and like without inferring to different things because we say things and we have like silent references that we that we don't articulate but it's funny because worldwide we all know and so it's like if you have a black woman who's infertile or if if she's a if she's opposing the norm mm -hmm. of like of the white woman because that's what it's being compared to yeah. then it's seen as wrong and the thing is we may not say it 
but we'll ask different questions like is your is your husband around or is just like yeah. is, is everything okay and i think those those remarks that's the grammar book those are the things because we're trying to like discipline this person into like the society and be like something is wrong with you for not like oper for operating the way you're operating as opposed to just saying you are operating in the way that you're operating period mm, so even like the replacements are <laughs> like yeah even the renaming yeah. is wrong yeah okay that makes sense yeah oh wow yeah what do you think morgan um, I mean, one thing that I'm kind of thinking through is that there's, she really leaves a lot of the essay open-ended. And one thing that I'm thinking about is, despite the Moynihan report kind of theorizing the Black family is matriarchal, thinking about this in 2023, what would that mean for, like, Black lesbian parents? Like, what would that mean for, you know, individuals, especially black women and black non-binary people who are personally doing the process of ungendering, um, especially like trans parenting as well. I'm thinking about that. And that speaks to what Spiller is talking about. There is still a struggle to find language for those experiences. And I don't really have any conclusions on that, but I would be interested to hear what anyone else kind of thinks about that. I mean, personally, that's where the essay kind of led me. Um, and that's really complicated because, you know, as a queer person myself, like we're constantly struggling as a community to find language that works for us. And it shifts very rapidly. Um, and when you bring in the intersectionality of blackness, black motherhood, black queerness, um, I think it becomes even more complicated. Um, and in terms of thinking about the grammar book, it's almost as if from my perspective, the queer grammar book always shreds itself and start over. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have any real conclusions on that, but I'd be interested to hear what anyone else has to say. I mean, I do think one factor, since gendering and ungendering is the centerpiece of, of or one of the centerpieces of the essay, I mean, it, it is true that same-sex couples that have children, there's always the question of, like, how is the, if it's two men, like, how yeah. is the girl going to learn how to be a woman? Yeah. If it's two women, how is the boy going to learn how to be a man? Right? What does a girl lose in a who has two mothers around, like the mm -hmm. special relationship, whatever those kinds of yeah. tropes about the father daughter, the mother son, you know, all of these these ways I think of of predicting because that's what it really is predicting yeah. deficiencies mm -hmm. in same sex right. couples and their children of of um, you know that those children operate at a loss. Right, and why they operate at a loss? It's like, it's like they don't have a verb that can be properly conjugated, or something that's stuck in the first person, or present tense, or something like to use a grammar metaphor. Um, so I think that plays out, right? Um, but I'm also curious, like, what would it mean to write this essay in 2023? Because you know, when this essay was 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 composed and discussed, uh, you know, it just you know, same-sex couples and marriages and families and children adopted or 
or biological, um, you know, all those all those things that have so complicated questions of the family uh, with the meaning of family, but also, as you were saying, have generated new vocabularies mm. that may be really interesting to bring to bear on mm. this. Because this is about a very specific group, right? Black woman, this very specific category, black woman. Mm -hmm. But black black woman is also lesbian, yeah. you know, non-binary, right, right. you know, not parent, parent, right? So, so yeah. you know, even that category proliferates in ways that I won't say Spillers didn't anticipate, but that she doesn't talk yeah, about. I mean, she can't talk about yeah. everything. But also the way our, our the demands on our language have so changed, mm -hmm. and you know we're living in the middle of this incredible, violent backlash against simple things, mm -hmm. like you know I don't like that pronoun. I want mm -hmm. to be referred to by this pronoun that fits who I am, and now we have like a complete like fascist authoritarianism in response to that right mm. <laughs> it just changed and so it tells you like what threatening the grammar book means mm. it really brings real political violence in the streets in the laws and from the federal government um, but it also shows in that way how radical ungendering is because mm. it just opens the door to all these different things and all these different demands on our language um, because, you know, I mean, it's it's dialectics, right? It's like the the position of, of radical liberation, I think, is always met with this authoritarian compulsion mm. to counter it. What comes next? I don't know, mm. but I'm really not liking this antithesis moment. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Like, only laughing to keep from crying. But we are almost at an hour, so maybe it would be a good time to... Uh, to wrap up and I don't know if people have like a last thought or two sort of statement uh, you wanted to say because Morgan you opened up uh, a whole huge yeah, yeah I totally did I'm sorry no, this one <laughs> that was, I, like I like that part that could be its own podcast <laughs> yeah part two <laughs> but it's also I mean that's the that's the fecundity of the essay that it produces mm -hmm. things that aren't of itself I mean, look, I personally, I love that idea that an essay could produce something that's not itself, because mm -hmm. so many times essays produce versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, mm -hmm. an essay that, that, as much as any, produces things that are other than itself. Mm -hmm. Like these questions of, of, you know, the choice to not have children, right? Yeah. To be asexual, to be queer, to be non-binary, to be polyamorous, mm -hmm. I mean, all to be... Um, uh, uh, you know, polygamous. I mean, mm -hmm. the, you know, the, all of these proliferations of possibilities all of a sudden emerge that the essay can't contain, which is a great thing because mm -hmm. it's not supposed yeah. to be, it's not an alternative grammar book. That's always my thing. It's uh, not an alternative grammar book by definition and intent. So, mm -hmm. so should that be our last thought? Yeah. <laughs> all right well good to talk and um there's always more to say which i think is a, a good thing so take care everybody <laughs>